0: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I have to ask you for some advice today. Okay. Okay, what advice would you have for a person who's finding a lot more gray hairs than they used to, like suddenly? Okay,
1: so as you know, I'm fully gray. I have been, actually I'm not even gray, Erin, I'm white. I don't really even have brown hair anymore, it's just all white.
0: Um, I love it, I love it. Don't
1: pluck them. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, don't them; They will come back like wiry pubic hair on your head. Okay, I hate to be graphic, but I'm just being honest. I would say that if you don't like the way that they look, which I did not for many, many years... Um, There are some really good sprays that you can get. My favorite is uh, by Oribe or Oribe. And then there's another one by Rita Hazan, which you can get in most CVS's I think, which you can just spray, doesn't come off on your pillow. You can just like get rid of the ones. There are also Mm. some you can brush on, but I like the ones that don't come off on the pillow because I certainly don't wash my hair every day.
0: Hmm. Yeah, me neither. I kind of look to Stacey London as like an icon of grace. I love her gray streak.
1: You know, she is who I really was like, okay. Like, she looks so fierce with her gray stripe. Mm-hmm. I mean, she got so lucky that it came in in like a stripe. Mine came in like a skunk, so it wasn't got- that hot.
0: Wasn't that hot. <laughs> wasn't that hot. I, I just like, I have like a cluster of them that are like, for- they're like forming an alliance. Right, like in the front of my head. Oh, let them
1: ride. If they're all together, let them ride.
0: Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, I was trying to figure out, I was like, did something cause this? Beyond just like my DNA unraveling slowly and age catching up to me. Um, Did something cause this? And I went through what has happened in my life over the last three years. And I was like, it's like a murderer's row of possible things that could give you gray hair. Having a baby, moving, getting married, canceling a wedding, da-da-da-da-da. A pandemic. (laughs) <laughs> right. So I guess we'll never know who caused me or what caused me to have gray hair. I think we're just going to have to, you know, Stacey London forward. I,
1: I you know what? It's going to be fine.
0: <laughs> this week, we're joined by Dana Schwartz to tackle the following questions. Who would make your DC Disappointment Fantasy League? What kind of YA novel would a former dweeb write? And why are all of the digital assistant voices female? All this and more right now. Okay, let's get to the news. Boo. Yeah, boo indeed when it comes to news. Uh, I was thinking this week, Alyssa, that I kind of want to offset my feeling of letdown with the people in government by starting like a disappointment fantasy league where... (gasps) I know. I just am making this up right now, where we take all of the people that are supposed to be working for us in Washington. You know, We make a big list, and then we draft from them who we think will disappoint us the most, and then we get points, depending on how disappointing they are. That speaks to me. I feel like I'd be good at that. I feel like you would probably kick my ass at this because you're more familiar with the Myriad ways that people can disappoint in Washington. Yeah, but that
1: actually makes you more susceptible to disappointment because I am profoundly aware of how disappointed we will be.
0: Sure. But you would be good at drafting the people who will be oh, the most yes, disappointing yes. for sure. Totally agree. I kind of want to do this, and I think I'm going to send you a text message with this afterwards. Um, uh, you know, I'll respond in two. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's the thing um, right now, Democrats are in charge of the White House and both houses of legislature. And yet, we do not have paid family leave. Abortion rights are completely on the chopping block, and there is no federal legislation that is going to step in and protect it once the Supreme Court dismantles Roe v. Wade. Um, we're just not doing what—women are not being paid the same—there's There's been no progress in that arena. There's all kinds of things that are just not happening in Washington, D.C. And so what people have done and what people have decided is that now we have to look— to the states, we have right. to trust the people in state government to protect the rights that we thought we would have for our entire lives, um, which is crazy. Like, can you imagine if you like got transferred in your job to a different state? Not like we work in jobs where we could get transferred and have to move, but if you did and you got transferred from, say, California to Texas, stressful. Yeah. Absolutely stressful. I I I don't know. I this this makes me pretty nervous. I'm glad that there are states that are stepping up to protect abortion rights. New Jersey, for example, just passed a a Freedom of Reproductive Choice Act because the federal government is not going to protect reproductive choice. It is a bill that guarantees abortion rights in the state. It's a kind of pared down version of a bill that they were trying to pass before um, when the state government was a little bit more to the left. And the version of the bill they were trying to pass before would have mandated insurers cover abortion care, which is wild to me. It's wild. It's wild. But you know what? A long time ago, when I worked at a, at a financial firm, abortion was covered by the insurance that the giant financial firm had. It was covered just like any other procedure. I've had periods of life, too, where
1: that, that, was, uh, that was covered. Now I can't even get my birth control covered currently, but that's Wait, fine.
0: H- how did that happen?
1: So uh, interesting thing. I've used the Nuvaring for 25, 20 years at this point, point. and Nuvaring is no longer being made. But there's a generic. The generic, because the Nuvaring was around for so long. This is per my insurance company, mind you. Because Nuvaring was around for so long before the generic, the Nuvaring's considered the generic. So the generic is sixty dollars a month until there's like no Nuvaring left in the marketplace which I don't know how long that'll be. Like, what if there's one lone ring in Nebraska somewhere and I'm still going to have to pay $60 a month for my generic version, which, I mean, I'm going to be 46 years old next month. I'm not using it for birth control. I'm just trying to keep my hormones in check. Like, Oh, my
0: God. I know. Isn't that fucked? Are you going to have to amass a team of four maneuvering users who are being charged a lot by their insurance companies to go on a quest to round up and capture the remaining Nuva rings I'm hoping that's what I just did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they did with the California condor. That's how they saved it from total extinction. They rounded up all of the living specimens in the wild and then they trained them not to run into power lines and then they released them out into the wild again. So it's like, Aaron, I guess I. I
1: guess all that is to say that I don't feel super stoked and confident about like any of what's happening right now if my NuvaRing isn't even like
0: getting covered. Right. That seems to me like, I mean, Obamacare was pretty specific about birth control being covered. Mm-hmm. And insurance companies since then have done everything they can to weasel their way out of covering stuff. Shady motherfuckers. And like, who do you call if you can't get your insurance company to cover? Do you call like Barack Obama and you're like, sir, excuse me? You know, I've gone down the rabbit hole on
1: this. And apparently there's an appeals process I can participate in where I write a bunch of letters. <laughs> Oh, letters! But you know, but this is the thing: is that like you know, we're lucky that we have social media presence, whatever that means. But it's like I just kind of want to tweet at the healthcare company and start a fire, but like I can't do it. Just can't. I mean, I like, need to exhaust all of my options
0: before I take to the internets. Have you tried DMing them?
1: Uh, their DMs are not open.
0: Ah, uh-huh. uh, I know. You know what? Obamacare should have mandated that those DMs remain open. That is one way. I agree. You know, we should be able to going. reach them. Yes. I got okay. the pen out. I'm writing it down. Mandate that the DMs be open. There needs to be a way to reach insurance companies that does not require us to take an hour out of our day to sit at on least. Hold. Ugh. Just terrible. Well, I mean, California, my state, mm-hmm. has also um, attempted to enshrine the right to abortion, which is cool. I mean- I, you know what? If the Democrats weren't doing that in California, I would be like, they're never going to do it anywhere. Right. Um, because California currently is like – I think we have a supermajority in California.
1: It's good for you.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, we do have like – it's it's okay. It's okay.
1: You know what state I thought I was the most into of all the things that they did? What? Mostly because I think it is the most tricky and I, it never occurred to me that someone would, like, take it head on, is Connecticut. Connecticut's mm-hmm. governor signed a bill in May that prevents deceptive practices by crisis pregnancy centers. Ooh. So basically they're like these anti-choice fake clinics that don't provide comprehensive reproductive care. They get mm-hmm. in and they say everything but the word, uh, you have the right to an abortion. So I felt like, I thought, I'm like, you know what, good. Every, like, that seems like low-hanging fruit. Everyone yeah. should do that. I mean. Crisis
0: pregnancy centers are so Looney Tunes to me. I mean, literally Looney Tunes. Like, it's like um, Wile E. Coyote trying to trap the Roadrunner by, like, making a fake storefront saying, like, oh, it's a Roadrunner spa. And then yeah. he pulls up the storefront and it's actually. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And it's and it's actually like a giant oven. But then Roadrunner evades him. Um, <laughs> it's it's like, it's so gross to me. Um And I can say that now that I've had a kid, that I've gone through labor, that I've pushed a baby out of me, I've never felt more pro-choice in my life. Like nobody should. Because you should have all the choices. Right. I'm super glad that I have my baby. I would make the choice again. Um, But the commitment, physical commitment, the emotional commitment, the mental commitment that it requires is intense. And, And like if I were pregnant and didn't want to be pregnant and was you know, didn't have enough money to support a baby and was alone and prison. Yeah. That's, that's like a war crime to me. I just, I can't, I can't. And the idea that these clinics pop up and they like try to convince people to continue their pregnancies a lot of times with the intent of convincing these women to give their children up for adoption. Um, it's so gross to me. It's Ugh, it makes me I'm good good for Connecticut. That's a that's a great move. Um, New Mexico had a trigger law on the books and they actually overturned it. New Mexico continuing to be one of America's greatest, greatest states. Greatest
1: states, most beautiful, and just making shit happen.
0: Yes, absolutely. Like, but kind of under the radar. Like whenever you see New Mexico in the news, you're like, ah, there you go. There are. you go again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so uh and Virginia also yep. did some kind of like backdoor paperworky stuff where they made it so that uh insurers can cover abortion it used to be in Virginia that insurers could not cover abortion and now they can seems kind of like oh okay it should have been that way before but whatever um so yeah states are making moves to preserve access to abortion and to reproductive choice but uh you know until the federal government makes some moves to do it I don't think that we can really rest on our laurels here. Um, because, you know, we're not living in an equal society if some people are more equal than others. Totally. I mean,
1: it's like, that's the whole point of row.
0: Exactly. Uh, oh, we need the ERA. We need the ERA. We need the ERA. Long may she live. <laughs> Man. I, you know, did you read that article in the 19th this yeah. week? Yeah. What do you think about a coming legal battle to enact the ERA? You know, I feel like if I were a judge, I'd be like, let's
1: do this already. It keeps coming back. These people aren't going away. This seems fundamental, you mm-hmm. know? Um so I'm glad I think that the the some more um folks joined the ongoing lawsuit and they were the latest states, I think, Virginia, Nevada and Illinois to ratify the ERA in their own state houses. So, you know, anyone who's working on the ERA just DM me. I'll help. I would do anything to like just I just want a like ERA proud t-shirt, you know. Yeah. Equal rights in 2022. Seems like at least one thing we should be able to should get be, done, but I don't know. It should be
0: codified. It should be codified. The word it should woman be codified. does the, the word woman does not appear in the constitution, which is troublesome. Um it doesn't. There's no fuck that's yeah. my surprise. I was like, wait, really? But you're, yeah. of course not. It's all men. <laughs> what was no, I thinking? Like, what's was like, what's a woman? It's a person minus. Um, <laughs> but uh, except a person plus because they're the way that the species reproduces, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I think that the ERA, if it were to actually, you know, our pie in the sky dream were to be realized and it were to become ratified and it were to become an amendment uh, to the Constitution, then it would be pretty impossible for the abortion to be banned at the federal level. Exactly. Because Roe wasn't
1: that great of a case anyway. And just for folks who haven't spent as much time thinking or talking about the ERA as we have, the issue is that so many states ratified it back in what year, Aaron? I don't even remember. Early I don't know. 70s. A year <laughs> that
0: they were more forward thinking than they
1: are now. Than they are now. That the argument is that those states need to go back and re-ratify it because the term of seven years or whatever the uh, amendment, the ratification was good for, has expired on uh, the majority of the states.
0: Yeah, but that was just an arbitrary law that people put in place. Yes, it was, yeah, thirty eight states. 38 anyway, states. yeah, it's crazy because I believe that Wisconsin ratified it. I I cannot see them doing it now. No, there are. I think there are quite a few states that fall into that category. It's so depressing. You know what? We should all have to go back to our home areas to vote, like they did in Ireland. Didn't they do that in Ireland to ratify abortion? I think so. But I was actually thinking like in the Bible when Joseph <laughs> dragged his super pregnant wife all the way to Bethlehem because they had to participate in a census, which is like. You went even further. Right. I think, yes, very further back in time. But I think that like we should all just, I will go back to, I wish I could absentee vote in Wisconsin. Like I'm tempted to just like move there for a couple years to be like, fuck, who can I offset? Come on. <laughs> That's how I approach my voting now. I'm
1: registered in a very purple county as opposed to New York City.
0: Yeah, but you spend all your time. They don't need me. You spend all your time. Yeah, and I actually live
1: here. I live here, so it's fine. It's not fraud. It's not fraud. It's not fraud. It's like I live here. You can find me
0: sanding my driveway at any time, (laughs) feeding bunnies carrots. Feeding bunnies carrots.
1: Um, You know it.
0: Speaking of voting rights, Alyssa, you had some. (laughs) Alyssa, I want to kind of pivot to talking about voting rights. This is sort of. What got me thinking about the Disappointment Fantasy League? And I just would love to hear from you how you think the voting rights battle is going and, you know, what your feedback is on recent events.
1: You're trying to get me in so much trouble because I was so hot about this. Look, this is something the – we need the voting rights. 2022 and elections beyond are going to be, in my opinion – this is all my opinion – Real chaos if we don't get some shit in check and some more protections in place, um, based on how many hundreds of very bad laws have been passed uh, by legislatures across the country over the past couple of years. Um, So we're recording on Wednesday. On Tuesday, President Biden and and Vice President Harris went to Georgia to do a big push for voting rights. And uh, while their speeches were very good, there were some complicating things. One, the voting rights activists who delivered Georgia, you know, delivered the U.S. Senate majority essentially by electing Warnock and Ossoff, Um, They were kind of like, "Why are you coming down here if you don't have a plan to fucking pass this shit?" Um, and you know what? Now I am, of course, someone who you know was on the other side of this for a long time. I worked in the White House, and of course, when the president comes, you should show up. Um, it's an act of respect. Now. I kind of get where these guys are coming from, though, because what happened is the speech, while was very good and very forceful, and President Biden came out for uh, making changes to the filibuster to be able to pass uh, the voting rights uh, legislation, a lot of the speech was shaming the Republicans, which they should be shamed, okay? They're they're being terrible. However... I mean, we got some problems in our own house that are going to prevent us from doing this because Manchin said on Tuesday that while he was – he was in favor of certain small changes to the filibuster, none of which would get these bills passed. Um, One of the changes that he said, which I had to read because, you know, I've told you sometimes I have reading comprehension issues, and I'm like, did I read that correctly? I had to go back and read it because what he was actually saying was that – what he was in favor of is like a very senity thing, which is there is sometimes this thing called a motion to proceed, which you have to vote on in order to proceed to the bill you want to move on to. And what he was saying is that he was in favor of moving to two-thirds of the senators present in the chamber to vote. So it didn't have to be two-thirds of all the senators. It was like those in the chamber. And basically, it wasn't super hopeful. So – I appreciate that everybody went down to Atlanta yesterday and um, that they're going to move. There is going to be a vote. I think that in some instances, it's important to get caught trying, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to force a vote. You have to get people on record um, for how they stand. I just, I think that that is more of a um, helpful maneuver when it's shocking or, you know, I just like Joe right. Manchin said, he's not voting for it. I don't remember where cinema comes down, but, you know, I think the only Republican hope is Lisa Murkowski, who I think said she would vote for the John Lewis uh, voting bill, but not the other one. And so, you know, I'm just like – it just feels a bit like we did that. we used the theater a little too late, if you know what I mean.
0: Right. So I have two two questions. First of all, is it time for Virginia to invade West Virginia? Because I, <laughs> I think just- – I think Virginia could just just like add it on. They could just take all of the statues they took down and like just use them as the military. St- I mean like Right. Well like they could they could they could home alone the battle, you know, yes, like how, how yes, Kevin exactly. put, put the, you know, Michael Jordan cut out in his window and so there was a silhouette. You Virginia, were picking up what I was putting down. Yeah, Virginia could line up the statues and they'd be like, "Whoa, huge army because, you know. Anyway, yeah. No, I, I get it. I get <laughs> it. Um second thing is um I wonder if this whole headachey battle over the filibuster is sort of, I've seen like some kind of chatter about like, well, it won't be fair if the you know minority doesn't have any rights in the Senate. Like if we abolish the filibuster, it won't be fair. Well, guess fucking what? The Senate isn't fair. It is absolutely ridiculous that California, with 50 plus million people, has as many senators as Wyoming, which has about as many people as like a city block in LA. Like LA County has more people. Washington, D.C. has got nothing. <laughs> Washington, D.C. has nothing. And there's more, they have more people in D.C. than there are in, I I believe, uh, Wyoming. Is it Vermont?
1: I don't, it's there, something.
0: There's a couple of states where like there are more people in D.C. and they do not have senators. The Senate is an inherently unfair body. And while I personally, admire, and am very fond of some senators. We've had many senators on this so show. So many. Um, great people. Put them in the House of Representatives. Get rid of the Senate. <gasps> Get you rid of revolutionary. The- Abolish. Abolish the Senate. Just put Nancy Pelosi in charge of the entire legislative branch for the next, like, you know, eight months. It's going to be chaos. I'll, it, it's going to be great. You know what? It's it, it might be time. might be time for everybody to start bunking together. Honestly, it's so unpopular that I bet you could get thirty-eight states to ratify an amendment to the Constitution to just get rid of the Senate. That's how unpopular legislators are. You heard it here first. I mean, I'm half kidding. If if it were to happen, I would be like, "Yay, I was in favor of it." And if it you're were like, not to happen, I'd be like, like, "I was just joking." Political witchcraft wins again. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you want to move on to toasts and roasts? Yeah, let's toast and roast. Okay, so. I have some notes in my outline on this individual that I'm about to toast. And my notes are, WTF, how? (laughs) And I bet you can guess which story this is. This is the story of British Army Officer Preet Chandi, who is 32, 32 years old. 32. And just completed her expedition to reach the South Pole solo on skis. She reached the southernmost point of the earth on January 3rd which was a 700-mile trip, 700-mile trip in 40 days, 40 days on skis for 700 miles. She pulled her belongings behind her in a sled that weighed 192 pounds. Correct. What? How? She should go to the Senate. (laughs) How? I mean,
1: how? That that is, I... Like when people do things like that, like when you talk about the mountains you've climbed, my husband climbed Everest, like you're all nuts. But when I hear things like this, I'm like, that is fucking, that is impressive. Like She's amazing.
0: That is amazing. We believe that she's the first woman of color to complete an expedition like this. And uh, Chandi is of Indian descent and of the Sikh faith. And she has talked about how she wants to encourage people regardless of their ethnicity or background to push their boundaries. What? This woman is awesome, and thirty-two, and thirty-two. She's thirty-two. I, so you know weird.
1: what? Honestly, I mean the thirty-two part. When you think about it, actually, kind of makes sense because I think right now I'd be like, okay, do we have the salon pause? Do I have? Do I have my fiber supplements? Like, yeah. I, I think this was a, a project for the young, but God bless. She skied pulling a one hundred ninety-two pound sled. I. When I read that, I was like, but where were the dogs that were taking her? But there were no dogs. It was all no, her. No. She just skied
0: her Like, unbelievable. She wasn't um, yelling mush. No, she wasn't. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible woman. Um, do we have any roasts? We got some roasts. Oh,
1: goodness. It's a week for roasts. Can I Can I roast Wasilla's
0: sweetheart, Sarah Palin? Oh, I was like, you're going to have to be more specific. I know a <laughs> lot of people who are from Wasilla.
1: So. <laughs> she, Sarah, Pal- Sarah Palin has lost her damn mind again and went on some crazy rant uh, calling AOC uh, sex-obsessed. Um, because she went to dinner with her boyfriend in Miami, and AOC was like, stop being obsessed with me. And Sarah Palin's like, I'm going to double down on my obsession for you, and I'm going to do it by repeating the following sentence, which, please… Look how the liberals want to pound that into the public's head. Advertising who is attracted to who, what people do in the privacy of their own bedroom, suddenly they care. All the things that have to do with privacy and sex, the liberals, not the conservatives, are the ones who pound, pound,
0: pound after that. Sarah, Sarah, could you use a different word besides pound in talking about how other people are sex obsessed? Also, isn't she the queen of drill, baby drill? This woman is- Can't stop herself. Cannot. She is a walking double entendre all the time. Like I don't know if it's a like if it's just Freudian slips or if she's just deliberately like pound pound pound, drill baby drill. Stop talking about sex. Don't talk about sex. Pound pound pound, drill baby drill. Also AOC, well she was absolutely queenly in her pushing aside of weird comments that were made about her boyfriend's feet. Um, she kind of made this observation on Twitter that that there's like a sexual obsession with her on the right, which is absolutely true. Totally. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. Sarah Palin, I can't quite. She can't stop. She won't stop. John McCain did some things for this country that were good and some things for this country that were very bad. And Sarah Palin is one of those things that he did to this country. That Yeah, I was- think he even knew it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he felt kind of bad about it. I mean,
1: all you have to do is watch that movie Game Change, and whoever was participating on his behalf definitely made it clear that he was not given all the facts when he picked her.
0: Yeah, yeah. It does does seem that way. Um, I also want to quickly roast – I hope this person hears it – Mozart. Mozart! Mozart. Okay, so there is an Australian professor who has found evidence that Mozart – has claimed credit for some of his older sister's compositions. Mozart had a sister, Wolfgang. Wolfgang had a sister named Maria. And Maria was also a prodigy, like Wolfgang was. Um, And uh, she was, you know, a top-billed concert pianist, and she was a harpsichord player. So there's evidence that she wrote her own compositions. It was thought that none survived. But this professor, whose name is Martin Jarvis, believes that they did survive. They just have her brother's name on them. So he suggested that three out of five of Mozart's violin concertos could have actually been composed by his sister. Classic. Let us all learn the name
1: Maria Mozart.
0: (laughs) Maria Mozart. (laughs) That is, did you, I have
1: a question though related to this. Did you learn the harpsichord in elementary school? No.
0: Did you? Yeah. <laughs> did you go to school in the 1700s? <laughs> okay. Don't be mean. Today it's all gray hair and age we, for me. No, <laughs> no, we learned like the flutophone. No, I remember there being a harpsichord. I remember oh, there being
1: a harpsichord.
0: Okay, here, this is an age related. I was going to say, did you go to Tori Amos Elementary School? Because she would have taught you to play the harpsichord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, See? I'm trying to spit out a Tori Amos
0: lyric. I don't like Mondays. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got. Oh, great. Okay. Well, Mozart, <laughs> if you're listening, give your sister some credit. I don't know. Yeah, Maria, we see you. We see you, Maria Mozart, MM. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by pal for a conversation on technology gone awry. And welcome back to Hysteria, the show that may no longer be necessary now that a woman is going to be on a uh, quarter, right? Oh, I mean,
1: thank God we solved
0: yeah, our problem. Yeah, I mean we have had women on coins before, but I think that this one is the one. I think my Angelou on the quarter this solves it.
2: We had the Sacagawea dollar coin for a long time, and
0: everyone got mad at them.
2: Everyone was like, "How?" Da-? Like
0: they would give you them as change, at, like the subway in New York. And they don't go anywhere.
2: They you can't use them in <laughs> yeah. vending machines. Yeah. that was the real problem for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, look, I think this is the coin that solves it. We're gonna we're gonna win feminism now, guys. Um, so uh, I'm really excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. But first, Dana Schwartz is here, and I really want to talk to Dana about this one specific topic, and that topic is the book that Dana Schwartz wrote and is about to be released. Um, so Dana, can you tell us about this book that's coming out?
2: Yes, I'm very, very excited. It's called Anatomy, A Love Story. I'm holding it up as if this video is recording, but it's <laughs> this is an audio medium. Um, it basically is like my full soul, like my teenage heart and soul in a book form, because it's just like the novel that I always wanted to write, and it's all of my interests in a cauldron and, and spilled out. It's... Um, takes place in 19th century Edinburgh, and it's a story about the grave robbers who dug up dead bodies to sell them to surgeons to study because, you know, there were no bodies to donate to science, so doctors needed to learn about bodies somehow. And so it's like a little bit gross, um, but a little bit sweet, and a, and a love story set in graveyards and ballrooms and haunted castles. Oh, my goodness.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dana, where did you go to college?
2: Oh, I went to to Brown, and it's always been my my dream to be somehow at the the Brown Bookstore table. Uh, I was a big. I spent a lot of time in that bookstore. Yeah, <laughs> they I, I owe wish you. I was doing in person <laughs> events. I owe you
0: a bookstore. Wait, you're not yeah. doing in person events? Like, did you have to cancel
2: stuff? Oh, I had to cancel two and two events because of Omicron, uh, which is heartbreaking. Because I bought a really really nice dress to wear <laughs> for book launches, but I'll just look and I scheduled my wedding hair and makeup trial that day. So I've looked really, really glamorous for a book event. Um, But now I'll just look really glamorous for a Zoom. Yeah, but you can like do stuff,
0: like walk around outside, really just like let nature witness your
2: beauty. Books on the ground, just handing them out to (laughs) passersby. Dana, what day does your book come out? It comes out Tuesday, January 18th, and it's available for pre-order now.
0: You know, Dana, if all I had known about you was that in high school you asked to meet with a teacher after school about poetry, I think you told me that story. If that was all yep, I knew that's about true. you, yeah. I would be like, yep, this sounds like a book that that person would write.
2: I tried to petition my public high school to teach Latin classes. Um, <laughs> because I read The Secret History by Donna Tart and felt like my education was insufficient. <laughs> Congratulations
0: um, on getting through that book. I started and I was like,
2: I <laughs> can't. <laughs> yeah, it was like a very specific niche of my of my interest. But yeah, I was a huge dweeb uh who listened to my chemical romance and loved musical theater show tunes. And now I wrote a big young adult novel that takes place in graveyards and and underground theaters well let this be inspiration to dweebs everywhere um that you can write the
0: book of your dreams and that people will be excited about it and oh my goodness it got a starred
2: review on booklist it got a starred review which is like the, Big. the dream of every writer uh it's it's never happened to me before it's very exciting and it like made me tear up because it means that someone read it and, like, understood what you were going for and enjoyed it, which is all I want. You could – you know the the um, photos of Hedy Lamar
0: with the star crown on? Like the yes. old Hollywood – anyway, Google it. You should
2: get one of those star crowns yes. and wear it you around. You should have a crown. Yeah. That it- That's what my outfit needed. I think – feel like if I – that's like what the thing – If the you're going to do Zooms, zooms in
1: a hot dress, you should definitely just go for the crown.
2: Go for – Googling crowns now.
0: Yeah. I mean, you host – Get a good one. You host don't- a podcast about royalty, so why wouldn't you get a crown?
2: I know. It feels weird that I don't have one, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: You should wear one when you get married. That's a Swedish custom is a crown with a wedding dress. So you totally – I will
2: say I I did buy a veil, and that was like the first time that I felt like not – Like I was playing dress up like a bride when I was like trying on dresses. It was like this weird experience where I didn't feel like myself. Uh But then when I put on a veil, I was like, oh, I get it. Oh my
1: God. It was like Kleinfeld. It was like, say yes to the dress.
2: It was say yes to the dress. They jacked you up. They really did that. They were like heels, veil. They know how to sell it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I remember when I ordered a veil, I like wasn't going to have one. And then I ordered one and I felt so silly. I was like, I'm buying a bride costume. But then when I put it on- you it were didn't like, oh. feel like a bride costume. It felt like right. It completed the look. Yeah,
2: it completed As the look. As Randy
0: tells us on "Say Yes to the Dress," <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Randy's right. He knows. I had
0: two. I had two dresses for a wedding that fifteen people attended because we had to downsize because of COVID. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, maybe I'll wear them again one day. Maybe I'll put one on one of my legs one day. But um, <laughs> the veil, the veil is always going to fit. Um. Okay. Let's pivot to this conversation that we're about to have. Dana, I have a copy of Anatomy on my bookshelf. It's next on my list to read, and I can't wait to read it.
2: I can't wait. I really hope you like it. And if you don't, don't tell me. I will absolutely (laughs) not. I
0: won't say a word to you if I don't like it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something that happened to a friend of mine to pivot to this conversation. So I had a friend that worked at this company that made beauty products. And This was at the—did you guys ever have, like, a Clarisonic brush to clean your face with? Mm -hmm. I used my mom's. Yeah. So this was, like, kind of during the height of the reign of Clarisonic. And so this company that my friend worked for was trying to make a rival product for Clarisonic. So they made this lower-cost kind of um, face-washing brush that, like, vibrated. And um, they marketed it to teens and preteens. It was, like, you know, my first—like, it was sort of a way to— build brand loyalty so that they eventually would use the adult version of the product. Anyway, there was a minor crisis within that specific little division of the company when it was discovered that there were multiple forums online where teens would discuss how they used the product to masturbate. It had become like a teen... (laughs) like (laughs) masturbatory aid and it was like kind of a well-known thing among like middle and high schoolers and they were talking about it online and this company that was just trying to get you know kids to use this product to wash their face was now like fuck are we marketing sex toys to to children. (laughs) Anyway, the point of this story is that technology is not always used the way that it is intended. Oh, (laughs) that was a, that was good. Thank you. you. And see, that's, that is sort of like innocuous. It's embarrassing for the company, but it's kind of like, it's like, okay, whatever kids, teens being teens, figuring stuff out.
2: It feels like an Emily in Paris
0: episode. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me if it, was at some point because like some of those things you look at them and you're like people are going to figure out a way to like use this for sex stuff um Mm -hmm. but regardless um i think that's kind of like a not innocent but that's sort of like a harmless way that that technology is kind of reappropriated for things um but there are kind of more insidious things that are happening with technology. So one piece of technology that is being misused is AirTags, which have been in the news lately. Dana, Alyssa, do either of you have AirTags? I do.
2: No. Those are like the things for lost Apple devices? They're like little metal like button things that you can They look put- like a keychain. Yeah.
0: And you can put it with something that you normally like lose track of, like your keys, your wallet, mm. your cat. Um, you can put it on the collar of an animal, like you can, you know, put it with something that you want to keep track of and you can track it on your phone. The problem is that, um, when the people who started marketing this device made it, they didn't realize that people might use it for bad purposes, like tracking people, um, who don't want to be tracked? Tracking vehicles that might be stolen. In apparently, in Canada, air tags have been used in the theft of several cars. Um, and in the U.S., there have been stories, like exchanged on social media, of women finding air tags. Like somebody dropped an air tag in their purse, or somebody put an air tag on their car, and um, it sort of enables stalking. I feel like these things were designed without considering the life and existence of women in marginalized communities. And it was maybe designed by people who never really have to worry about stuff being used against them. So I kind of wanted to talk about that and all the ways the technology that was created in one way has kind of victimized women and like marginalized communities. So um, Dana, I'm going to start with you. Have you ever experienced, uh, whether directly or witnessed abuse via technology?
2: I mean, I think my abuse that I've had to deal with is like the basic thing that you sign up for, which is like men on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or what have you will see a woman make a comment that they disagree with and then will flood her feed with abusive images and language just because they can. Mm -hmm. So I've had to deal with like trolling, but... Oh, that AirPod, that AirTag thing is really haunting. Yeah. My, the closest I've ever come to that, and this is, you know, not the same. Um, <laughs> when I moved to New York, my mom was so scared that, like, her little girl was in the big city, you know, 22 with nothing, that she kept find my phone on. And she would give me cab fare to come home. Like, I had, I was working for a late night show and, like, my first night I had to come home at, like, one thirty in the morning and my mom was like, here's a hundred dollars for cab fare. Take a cab home. But I was like, no, I'm gonna I want a hundred dollars. Thank you. And so she she said, she told me years later, she watched me on her find my phone as I went zoop straight on the subway line, straight to my house. And I just pocketed the hundred dollars.
0: So yeah, that's that's a really good example of stuff that's been used. Uh inappropriately. Um, There are other apps that have been invented for parents to help track their kids. Um, But really what has happened is like abusive partners have used them to track spouses. Um, Alyssa, have you ever experienced any sort of like technology misuse or have you witnessed it being used against somebody? So it's funny that you ask me, of all people, because
1: when you and I were texting about the AirTags article, I was like, who the fuck has these things? What the fuck is this? And then I realized I had one. Um, I just – and no one snuck it on me. Like, my dad gave it to me um, to be nice. He bought them for everybody in the family. And I was like, oh, and, you know, he showed me how to use the app and everything. But uh, it has not happened to me, but I think all we need to know about the pervasiveness of the abuse of these things is to turn on any episode, modern episode, of Law & Order SVU or a Lifetime movie because it is literally an entire genre of entertainment now is how these apps get turned against you and not to, like, get too of the moment But one of the most famous episodes of SVU where this happened featured Bob Saget.
0: Bob Saget
1: played a husband who knew his wife was cheating on him and he used all of her technology against her and she ended up dying because he implanted a tracking device into her arm and she got Ah! sepsis. Yes, it is a great episode. But as soon as we started talking about this, the only thing that came to mind were all of the shows that I've watched where this has been used to stalk and terrorize women.
0: I mean, it feels like there's this sort of kind of like goldfish brain type thing that happens. Like technology gets introduced. It's clear that it can be misused. It is misused. The people who developed it are like, whoops, sorry, it didn't occur to us Mm. that it could be misused. And then another group of people does the same thing with a different type of technology. Like here's an example that's kind of low tech, Um, but like online white pages where you can like look up almost anybody's address and whoever invented that you know bot that crawls the net and grabs all identifying information about a person and compiles it and puts it in one place it's like it didn't occur to them that that could be used to hurt somebody Murder like people i've pay- i've paid to have that stuff taken down about me you have to pay to like have a program that will remove your information from all of these websites and it's sort of like i guess whoever developed it either didn't know or didn't care
2: Ugh. this is, have you guys seen the TikToks or reels of that woman who has a chip implanted in her hand to unlock her house, to unlock doors in her house? No, that's no.
0: horrifying.
2: So she has like, she's like, hi, I'm Ch- the chip girl. Like she like knows that this is the thing about her and she shows it. She has like a little thing implanted in her palm and it opens doors and drawers and like the closet in her house, like jewelry, like everything. And I think her husband is some, like, big tech guy. And I'm like, this is a horror movie waiting to happen. This woman is going to be locked in her own home, Purge style.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you watch Made for Love?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. There we go. That's why you shouldn't let your husband put a chip Don't in your Don't let your, your husband
0: put a chip in you. Made for Love is all about a woman whose husband put a chip in her. See? It's all over. Hollywood's way ahead of this. Exactly. I think that people... Do you think that it's that people who are coming up with this tech kind of lack imagination, even though they believe themselves to be like pioneers in imagination and disruption. Oh, it's
1: willful ignorance. They're like, we know. Might be fucked up. It's like Facebook. Facebook has to know that that shit's fucked up. But they're like, we're going to pretend like we had no idea this could happen so that we can keep making money. So that's what they're doing. They're like, this is all of these apps have a beneficial purpose. And so we can just pretend like the nefarious things it can be used for. We had no idea. But of course they knew. There were like lots of Zooms about them, I'm sure.
2: I also think it's like a fundamental lack of empathy in the old fashioned sense. Like, I think a lot of these tech guys really don't understand that the thing that they experience might be different than the thing that other people experience. And though they can hear about women's experience or the experience of people of color, I really do think there are some people who just fundamentally don't understand that the way they walk through life secretly isn't the way that everyone walks through life. You mean right. how
1: they walk through life not with their car keys between their fingers at night? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think I think that's that's true. I mean, but is that Something that can be overcome?
2: Maybe by people with those experiences having positions of power in these tech companies.
0: Yeah, right. Or like a giant Freaky Friday type experiment where each of us switch bodies with a tech guy for like a day and they have to deal with, you know, the life of being. Does anybody know how to Freaky Friday things? Can anybody?
2: Do you remember the Tyra Bank show when she discovered that it was hard to be a fat person yes. by wearing a fat suit for one day? And she's like, people don't look at me. And it's like, well, I will say before you were Tyra Banks. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But she discovered that people are mean to fat people. And she, she's the journalist who figured that out. Oh, well, she's
0: very brave. Very, very brave of her. Um, so here's here's something that I was thinking about as we were kind of putting this together. Like all of this feels like it's tied in with like a lack of empathy and a sort of built-in sexism and a, and a lack of representation of like women and and non-white people in positions especially women of color in positions of power within technology companies and like an example of that is like all of the digital assistants are women. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Pleasant to listen to?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think we know why it is. People just fundamentally have the the idea that women are secretaries still.
0: Yeah. I mean, but are women pleasant to listen to because... Only when they're programmed to be. Yeah, true. I did read in that New Yorker piece on the history of radio um, and basically how like radio broadcasts were designed to accommodate the male voice and not the female voice. So female voices would sound like shrill, quote unquote, in recordings because it was like designed to accommodate the male voice. Um I did read that female voices are seen as more, like, cooperative and subservient, and male voices are viewed as, like, authoritative.
2: Have you seen that study of why the male voice is the, the warning and why the female voice is the information on the New York subway?
0: No. Tell
1: us.
2: It's from an article called uh, Voices Down Below that an MTA spokesperson says most of the orders given are by a male voice while informational messages come from females. Even though this happened by accident, it's a lucky thing because a lot of psychologists agree that people are more receptive to orders from men and information from women.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Ugh, that's so See, depressing. See, if my Siri app sounded like Walter Cronkite, I would listen, but I don't want to yell, fuck you, Siri, shut up. <laughs>
0: I mean I don't use digital assistants because I'm no, afraid I'm afraid of the like insidious nature of like the information that could be collected like it only took one story of oh this digital assistant was recording all of this stuff that people were saying before I was like nope this justifies my fear of them and also <laughs> like I saw 2001 a space odyssey I don't want a smart home like no. I saw smart home the disney channel original movie what is that like 2001 a space odyssey for kids
2: Yeah, it's a smart home that then tries to take over their lives. It's it's a a seminal text, I would say, in the the smart home discourse. Um,
0: I mean, it's it's also like I don't know—is it worth it to have it? Did I need a digital assistant? Did I need like how much am I really gaining by like picking up my phone and typing in the title of the song I want to listen to versus saying it? When like the trade-off for that is that the the like audio receptor on my phone is also gathering information that I don't want it to have. It's like, I don't know. I feel like tinfoil hatty when I talk like this.
2: No, <laughs> it we always weirds me out that sometimes I'll say something kind of like Siri, like close to Siri, because I never use it. But then my computer or my phone will pop up Like, with a response to that, which just reminds me that they've been listening this whole time. You know what? I have heard from listeners of this podcast that sometimes the way I say hysteria will get
0: Siri. (laughs) Like, cause it sounds like (laughs) shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I try not to make it sound like I'm calling for a digital assistant, but
1: you know. Fuck. That's – I had to, like, try to disable the microphone thing on my phone because it's like, you know, when you have your text up and then you just talk and then it, it like, translate it, – it, you mm-hmm. know, what do you call it? Transcribes it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, imagine if I had accidentally hit send on this. It's some crazy shit because I was talking about that person. And so, I mean, to <laughs> me, I just, like, I see those things as nothing but trouble. And mm-hmm. so they have all been disabled. Every time I get a phone, I'm like, nope, nope. And it always
0: sends you the little reminder that's like, are you sure you don't want to go to settings and enable? And it's like, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Dana, do you cover up the camera on your computer when you're not directly using it?
2: No, that makes me feel tinfoil-hattie. I don't. I do. I close mine. I just close it. I think I should. I don't – I have a Mac. I don't have, like, the closey thing. I know I should, but ugh, I don't. I just – I'm one of those people who in the tech dystopia would be like, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, there's nothing to hide. Like, I would be one of those stupid people who just is so um, comforted by by the paradigm as it exists that I wouldn't have the guts to fight the system. Right.
0: One thing that really, like, upsets me, I mean, like, yeah, there's a sort of, like, well, that ship has sailed aspect of, like, information about me. It's sort of like whatever I've put out there is somebody owns that information at this point. And so like, what's the point of me trying to hide anything? But a thing that's sort of really been disturbing to me is, you know, now that I have this baby that I'm taking care of, there are a lot of baby products that want information on my baby. Like in Mm. order to, I have a, I bought a thermometer and it won't work unless I download an app.
2: (gasps) No, no, no. Why do they need to know your baby's temperature? Yeah,
0: I know. Why do I need an app for this? I just want to know. I don't need to track it. Like the the possible cost of the benefit of having my baby's temperature recorded in my, I can write it down. Like I don't need this At technology to a exist. A
1: minimum, you know, it's going to lead to a gazillion and five baby Tylenol, you know, ads that you're going to get served and emailed and all that.
2: Yeah, and remember that that old article about when Target knew that a woman, a girl was pregnant before her dad knew. Yes, that's so scary. So there's this this article that I remember in The New York Times where, like, you know, based on the things that a young girl was buying at a Target, which is like now, you know, she used to buy this lotion, but now she's buying unscented lotion and now she's buying these vitamins instead. They started sending um, coupons to her house of like baby stuff. And her dad was like furious, being like, why are you sending this to my teenage daughter? And it turns out she was pregnant. And she just didn't tell her dad yet because it was early and Target knew based on her purchases. Fuck.
0: That's terrifying. See, that's that why terrifying. like- Oh, gosh. This is making me want to go like take a bunch of cash out of the bank and like buy everything in cash while wearing a disguise so that like I can't be tracked. But on the other hand, there's a part of me that's like, and I know that this is like, you know, what companies that do this justify their actions by. But like, don't I, if I'm going to have advertisements- thrown at me, wouldn't I want them to be somewhat intelligent about, like, what kind of consumer I am? Or is the alternative that you just don't have to see ads at all?
1: <laughs> yeah, but capitalism. You know? I know. Yeah. I mean, I do prefer, but at the same time, when I get ads served to me, I mean, I I buy them. I mean, I'm, like, the worst. It's like <laughs> I see, like, you guys, I talk about shoveling the driveway and all of a sudden it's, like, Snow Joe shovels, you know, which is, like, a real thing, by the way. and. And then I'm like, well, fuck. They think I need it. Maybe I do.
2: Do you know that your phones also know if you're in proximity to other people and they serve you ads in direct relation to the people that you're near?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's
2: fully true.
0: I get ads for things that Josh has
1: that are his that I didn't buy for him. David, that David gets those. Yeah. He gets
2: those because your phone is near Josh's phone. And so it's advertising to you because it's popular in your community.
0: Right. Well, that's one of the things about technology that I think is kind of gray area. Like it's really narky. Like there are, you can like, and I think that there are certain ways that technology can be employed to discover things that were not meant to be discovered. Um, Like, I feel like a lot of um, infidelity is discovered on technology. Like I'm on, uh, I'm not on, but I like read because I'm obsessed with other people's mess. Um, I read Reddit forums about infidelity, and a lot of them are like my kid was playing on the iPad, and the iPad is synced up to my husband's phone, and like a chat, a WhatsApp thing popped up or something, you know, or it's like somebody, uh, you know, went over to some friend's house and their partner's phone paired with their speaker. And so they knew that like he'd been paired with their speaker before. Whoa, and that's, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. So, I mean, and and Dana, that's like one of those issues where it's like, yeah, but if you're not doing anything wrong, like blah, 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 blah. But can you see how something like that would, could be used in a way that was like
2: harmful? Oh, yeah. I, no one should be able to commit a crime. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so narky. I'm like, it, it scares me. I, I mean, I'm not, I would never cheat on my partner nor do I and also I just leave my phone and computer open and unlocked constantly so I'm not like good at it <laughs> but like being sneaky at all but uh yeah it's it's freaky I mean it is we've reached a point where like you won't be able to commit crimes even fun ones
0: right I mean that's that's one of the things that I have felt about like having a Ring camera do either of you have a Ring camera or no. like a smart doorbell no It's – essentially, you can't really walk around anymore without being filmed all the time Mm. because people have, like, ring cameras everywhere. It's
1: true. Like that accident or that – the helicopter that crashed in Philadelphia. Do you guys see this story? No. So yesterday afternoon, a helicopter crashed, leaving a hospital, taking a uh, child to Philadelphia Children's Hospital – the helicopter crashed. Everybody was fine. Okay, the okay. pilot is a genius. I wouldn't tell the story if everybody weren't fine. Yeah. But all of the all of the video is all people's ring and surveillance systems. Like that's how yeah. they were able to put all of it on the news. It's not because someone was like – because, you know, sometimes you're like, God, someone stood there filming that shit and like didn't help. But it, that's not what any of it was. It was all the ring cameras and um, any sort of like surveillance outdoor like systems. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, Dana, we've kind of talked about this with you. You you're basically doing nothing to protect yourself from like a kind of omnipresent surveillance. But Alyssa, are you doing yeah. are you doing anything to like protect yourself or guard against technology being used to surveil you or technology being used by people who would want to target you or hurt you? Um, I I live in the woods. One.
1: Um I I don't have I keep I try to keep as few technologically fancy things around as possible. You know, mm-hmm. they do make me nervous and also they just corrode my brain. And so I try to like put them down. But like am I actively turning my Wi-Fi off at certain times or like not not really. No, hmm. I'm I'm probably not gonna sleep well tonight.
2: <laughs> I also made a TikTok uh which was my final like resignation of like, okay, big big China has my data now, <laughs> all of it. Right.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about, well, TikTok, I've gotten served things on where I'm like, this is suspicious. Like you are trolling for things on my phone. Um, I mean, the things that I've done to protect myself, just because I've been a writer with like a relatively public profile for like a decade now. Um, so I take my address off of public databases. Um, like I pay to have that done. Um, I have like a ring camera, which I'm very, very like conflicted about uh, because I don't like contributing to the surveillance state, but I also don't want to like take a stand and have that cost me something personally, um, for when in terms of my safety. Um, I also like I'm a liberal blocker of people, I block people on Instagram, and I love the feature on Instagram that lets you block them and every account that they might start. Yeah, have you ever like that's a super helpful feature? Um, I pre- I try to be careful about like stuff about about Juniper. Um like I've put some pictures up of her but like she doesn't have her own account. She doesn't have you know I'm trying to like safeguard her credit. I'm like doing more stuff to protect
2: Have you locked down her Gmail account though yet? Oh no. I should do- That's a good gift you, you can, can that, get for yeah. her. Get that for her. Yeah. Just have it.
0: Yeah, I mean her her name is extremely long. It's Juniper Josephine. So like I <laughs> I don't know if we can use all those letters. Maybe I'll just do like initials or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I think that maybe people who are older millennials or younger Gen X and younger kind of have this idea that like, you know, technology comes out and rather than just adapting it like boomers, uh, we have to adapt and then kind of take a defensive measure. There's like mm-hmm. always a um, defensive measure that goes along with any new technology. Um but, you know, sometimes stuff develops so quickly that you can't really develop a defensive measure to it. Like, you can't defend yourself against somebody dropping an air tag in your purse. Right.
2: And that sucks. And you can't defend yourself against every other house on the block having a having a, a ring and being able to, like, track your movement. Right.
0: Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so I guess it's to the mountains we go. We all have to move to the woods and be like Alyssa Master Monaco to escape any possible
2: insidious applications of technology. I do, for the record, just want people listening to know I have a security system in my house. <laughs> I, I lock the doors. I'm not like open range on, on burglary. Uh, I just have all my data on the Internet.
0: Yeah. And I, I, we have a ring camera. And like I was telling you, Alyssa, I'm trying to recruit an army of crows yes. to defend us. Um, no, Dana, it, it's working. How? How are you getting the army? Okay, so I'm going to close on this very lo-fi note before we take a break. So I'm obsessed with corvids, C-O-R-V-I-D-S, which is unfortunately predates COVID. Corvids are like crows, ravens, uh, blue jays are corvids. They're like really intelligent birds. I'm obsessed specifically with crows and ravens because they're so smart. So you can make friends with them. And you can also teach them to hate you, which you don't want to do because they hold grudges and they can be they can be mean and they're really clever. So I'm trying to make friends with them by putting like unsalted roasted peanuts on my path to my house because there's a bunch of crows that live around me. And um Yeah, so I like put them on the path and like sat and watched a couple crows take them yesterday. But today, as we were recording, there was one crow that came down and was just like walking up and down the path and like looking in the window at me and stuff. So uh, we've got an army of one so far. I'm going to teach them. They remember who gives them food. Sometimes if like you're somebody that they like, they'll
2: give you like shiny things. Yeah. I've heard that you can teach them to steal money for you.
0: Yes, you can teach them all kinds of things. Also, like I saw a video of these um, ravens who they were t- they were trying to see like their problem-solving skills. So they had like a thing of water that with water that was like too low for them to reach and a bunch of pebbles near the water. And the ravens took like 10 minutes to figure out they could just fill the thing with pebbles to bring the water level up.
2: <gasps> oh my wow.
0: God, that's unbelievable. Yeah, they're smarter than some dogs, so... Anyway, I'm, I'm recruiting an army, and that's my security system. That's my low-tech security system. I could see that being a plot point in one of your books, Dana. I it feel works. like now I'm, I'm using that in the sequel. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, let's talk about I Feel Petty. Welcome back. We're almost at the end of the show, but not quite. We are going to talk about things that don't matter, but that we feel strongly about regardless. This is I Feel Petty. I'm going to go first this week because, per usual, mine is kind of stupid. Um, I think that we as a society really need to pump the brakes on celebrating birthdays early. And by that, I mean specifically with respect to Betty White who recently died at age oh, no. 99, there was a People magazine cover that said Betty White turns 100 that arrived in people's mailboxes right around the time that she died at age 99. So I think what we need to do is, is like, if someone is about to turn 100, just shut the fuck up. Just, like, be quiet. Just let them turn 100 in peace. Let's not, like, celebrate it because I think that You know, whoever is in charge of the universe sees that as a sign of cockiness and is going to, like, exert—like, God was like, okay, you guys think Betty White turns 100? I'm going to invite her to the party up here early because you guys need to stop acting like you know better than I do what's going to happen. So, yeah, let's stop celebrating 100th birthdays of beloved figures um, before they actually turn 100 because I am going to get superstitious if it happens again. It's,
1: so I feel strongly about this. I think this was like they were all tempting fate. Tempting fate is what my mother would say, tempting fate. And uh, in honor of her, though, her birthday is January 17th, and people are donating to rescues because she loved animals so much. So I'm going to be donating to a rescue on January 17th in honor of uh, Betty White and fuck you to People
0: Magazine who took us from her too soon.
2: Yeah, yeah it's People Magazine's fault. It
0: tempting is really People Magazine's fault for sure. For sure. Thank you for clarifying that, Dana. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. Alyssa, what are you feeling petty about this week? Okay. Guys, uh, I don't know if this is a regional
1: commercial or a national commercial or whatever, but it's for Virgin Cruises, and they use the song Like a Virgin. It is nonsensical. Okay, it doesn't make sense. Like a Virgin touched for the very first time, and a cruise Sounds kind of rapey, if you ask me. And I just, I, I, I am mad about it. It's on non-stop. (laughs) Non-stop all the time. It's a very bad remake of the song. Why is anyone talking about cruises right now? I thought they were all in quarantine because they're like 84 ships with COVID. So I don't even know why this is happening. But Virgin, you really fucking jumped the shark by remaking. It's not even Madonna. It's some chorus of. I don't know who, but it's terrible. Kids and bop, it's kids it bop. It treads, it treads on my ever-loving fucking last nerve.
0: You know what ship was a virgin? Which the, ti- one? The, the Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> the Titanic. The <laughs> Titanic. Don't want to conjure up maiden virgin voyage type stuff when you're talking about a boat. You want that sea tested. You want that to be a middle-aged ship that has gone on many journeys. That's a very good point, Aaron.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well tested. Yes. Well tested.
0: Yes, exactly. That's going to be, like, how I approach my impending middle age. Well, I am well tested. That's Um, how I feel. Yeah. Once I turn 40 in, like, two years. Uh, Dana, what are you feeling petty about this week?
2: All right. Did either of you see House of Gucci? No. No. But should we? No. Okay. It's not a good movie. It's a wild ride. But I will say I just feel petty that Jared Leto was allowed to do whatever he did in that movie. His performance is deranged. And I, I mean that word in like exactly what it is meant to intend. He plays it like he's an Italian circus clown (laughs) and everyone else, like Adam Driver is sort of like keyed into like this sort of mild, like suit wearing movie. And someone told Jared Leto that this was like he was doing uh, a motion capture for like an animated movie about (laughs) a dolphin or something. I cannot wrap my head around what he is doing. And it, It makes me feel insane watching it, where I'm like, how was this allowed to be put to film? So I feel petty about that specific performance in that movie, which I saw this morning was nominated for a SAG Award for Best Supporting Actor Performance. It is baffling to me. What dirt does Jared Leto have on people? Because remember his performance
0: in Blade Runner, the like newer Blade Runner? It was like, (sighs) it was distractingly weird.
2: Yeah. This was. At least Blade Runner, I'm like, okay, the costumes are weird. Like the sets are weird. Like you're, you know, you're going big in like a big world. Everyone else in this movie goes fairly grounded and he goes Ronald, Ronaldo McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wrap my head around it. I, Italian I clown feel dolphin.
0: I will take that one. Yeah. Italian clown dolphin. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, I oh. I mean, yeah. Lady Gaga as an actor tends to kind of serve slightly over the top.
2: Imagine if it makes her look like Stayed. L- yeah, <laughs> Jessica it, Chastain. It makes her yeah look like <laughs> Helen Mirren, or like a like a restrained, you know, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. Yes, is what okay. Olivia is what Lady Gaga looks like compared to <laughs> like Sado. a Frances
0: McDormand type. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Well, Josh actually worked on the campaign for that movie, and I've heard such mixed reviews about it. I've got to watch it now. I've got to, like, gird my
2: loins for this Italian clown. It's Like, it's a fun time. Like, it's just not, like, an amazing... I didn't think it was, like, an amazing movie, but Jared Leto's performance is so out of left field to me, I found it wildly distracting, and I just don't know why he was allowed to do it. (laughs) I think he should be tried. I think he should <laughs> have to stand trial.
0: Look, the Italian justice system has tried people for less.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know
0: what? Yes. A hundred percent. All right. Well, on that note, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Dana, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on your book. And thanks to all of you listeners for tuning in. There will be more Hysteria for you next week. Steria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonico is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibolaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nara Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroot.